good morning. And welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. It's such a privilege to welcome you this morning. My name is Dawson Taylor and I serve as your senior minister. And on this second Sunday of Advent, as we make our way to Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, it's especially fun and joyous to welcome you. And if you're joining us via live stream or Facebook Live, or if you've gathered together at Bentley Village, it's especially uh, a privilege to welcome you via the gift of technology, or if you download the audio podcast later this week. And if you're worshiping with us for the first time, we're honored by your presence this morning during this holy season, and we hope that you feel at home here at Naples United Church of Christ. It's been a wonderful week. Um, Friday night, I hosted the staff for our annual holiday party and the most cutthroat ornament exchange you've ever experienced in your life. It's a good thing they love you, because if they were against you, it's, it's a powerful force. But uh, we had a great time together celebrating uh, being a wonderful team, and then Saturday morning, yesterday morning, uh, Deb led a group of people along with our Board of Mission and Outreach at Harry Chapin Food Bank here in Naples. Here's some great stats for you. I love statistics. So here's some wonderful statistics. We had 35 volunteers who uh, packaged 2,522 pounds of oranges that feeds, that feeds 820 families. And then they also packaged 4,406 pounds of sweet potatoes, and that feeds 1,120 families. So if you smell an aroma of oranges and sweet potatoes in the room, just go with it. And, uh, but thank you to all of you who uh, made that possible. And then uh, Deb and our Board of Missions <clears throat> also presented our Thanksgiving offering to Harry Chapin. And so that was also a great moment uh, in that as well. I want to point out a couple things in our bulletin. You will notice in the middle uh, at the staple, there is a poinsettia dedication page. Each year, it's our tradition here that uh, we invite you to give uh, a poinsettia in honor, memory, or celebration of someone. And then we receive those gifts and designate a mission partner to give those gifts too, because we, we get uh, a handful of poinsettias, certainly make it feel like Christmas um, here on the chancel starting next Sunday and into Christmas Eve. But what we really do with those resources is we give them to a mission partner that we feel uh, would benefit. And that's a, in partnership with our Board of Mission and Outreach, but I also want to speak briefly to the theological part of that as well. Um, in concert with the clergy team, we talk about who would be an appropriate recipient for each of these offerings that we receive. And the birth narrative uh, had, speaks so powerfully to uh, the role of women in our faith lives from Elizabeth to Mary. And so we, uh, it feels so appropriate that we would give a gift to an organization that makes such a difference in the lives of women, specifically the Shelter for Abused Women and Children. We have many of our uh, church members that are involved in the leadership and volunteering there, and it's a wonderful organization in our community. And so I wanted to speak not only to the missional part of that, but also to the theological aspect of why they are receiving um, that gift this year and, and invite you because that deadline is next Sunday to be included uh, in our bulletin the following week. I also wanted to thank our board of trustees, our staff who have done a remarkable job of 
keeping us not only on budget for the year, but under budget. And um, that's a remarkable feat in and of itself. Um, But I also want to say as we prepare for 2020 and a new decade of ministry, which will also be the decade where we celebrate our 50th anniversary as a congregation, that um, I just want to ask that if you've made a commitment, if you are able to fulfill that commitment, if you have not made a commitment and are able to make a gift or an extra gift, we certainly welcome that. If you uh, win the lottery between now and the end of the year, we welcome that as well. Uh, But I just, this has been such a remarkable year of generosity. I want to say thank you, but also um, encourage all of us to finish the fiscal year with great strength so that we can start the new decade of ministry with that same strength. And lastly, I want to invite you to turn to the first page of the bulletin, the worship portion, because this morning our opening hymn is um, a festive change for us, and I'm going to invite you to look at the instructions under the processional hymn because they're different. Uh, We're inviting you to remain seated until the fourth verse, and so you'll see instructions. The first verse, we all sing together. Uh, The second verse, the upper voices, uh, sometimes known as sopranos and altos, sing the verse, and we all sing the refrain together. Verse three is choir only, and the fourth verse, we will stand and all sing together. You know, when when we do things like this a little differently, it helps the hymns that many of us have known for a long time have a different meaning to us. And uh, I would invite you to open your heart to that at the uh, appropriate time. And so indeed, as an intergenerational congregation, let us center our hearts and our minds during this holy season. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask that in this time of worship, you would speak through me or in spite of me but that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. A social studies teacher had just finished teaching a unit on war and on peace. How many of you, the teacher asked, would say that you're opposed to war? Of course, all the hands went up. And then the teacher went on to say, now who will give us a reason for why they are opposed to war? A boy in the back of the room raised his hand and the teacher called on him and he said, I hate war. Because war makes history and I hate history. No matter how you feel about war or just war theory or any of those concepts, the prophet Isaiah in our reading this morning makes it clear that peace is the way of God and that when humanity is restored to God, that we will no longer desire war. And the writer goes on to say that we will turn our weapons into instruments of peace. Robert Kappa, who was a famous photojournalist who specialized in war photos, he risked his life on the front lines of battle. 
and took particularly memorable photos of the Spanish Civil War and World War II and was tragically killed by a landmine in 1954 in Vietnam. He frequently joked that someday his business card would read, Robert Kappa, war photographer, unemployed. In our reading, Isaiah's prophecy speaks to the yearnings and the longings of a desperate and a disparate people. The monarchy of Israel and Judah was in ruins. But the people could envision as they dreamed of reestablishment that another king that was divinely chosen would come from the line of King David. And yet it would be another incarnation of their national identity. Isaiah's prophecy refuses to think so small. And instead of saying, continuing the historic lineage, he actually traces it back to Jesse, David's shepherd father, not the royal king himself. Isaiah's words remind Israel that before David, before Saul, the people were led by simple men and women who heard and then responded to God's call. Don't ask for another new king, Isaiah's text scolds. Make room for something more. While the most hopeful among the scattered people of Israel and Judah envisioned taking back their homeland and recovering their independence, Isaiah's vision scoffs at such small dreams. Under the spirit-filled leadership of a new king, Isaiah proclaims, there would be more than simply a return to the familiar. There would be righteousness. And the nation of Israel was far too puny a realm for the reign of simply a messianic ruler. Isaiah joyfully describes not a nation restored, but a world transformed. Using the spirit-filled wisdom, counsel, and knowledge, this new ruler will usher in new creation, a world in which the wolf shall lie with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the kid, the calf, and the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child will lead us. Although I have to admit my fondness for what comedian Woody Allen once said, the lion and the calf shall lie down together, but the calf won't get much sleep. <laughs> and this is what God has to give. But Israel had to wait, and the world had to wait. And yet, God's activity would not be diminished. The divine plan was not put on indefinite hold. Instead, what had to happen was drop by drop, inch by inch, profit by profit, day by day, God's people were prepared for the transformative moment that took place 
in a stable in Bethlehem. After centuries of waiting, almost countless generations had passed, there finally came the moment when all was needed was one last addition. Just one more baby, just one more insignificant shoot from the stump of Jesse. And it happened in Bethlehem in a simple stable, in the quiet, in the dark. And when that final divine addition fell upon the earth, everything changed. All Israel wanted was another king. But instead, the world got incarnation. God suddenly and personally and relationally appeared. Emmanuel. All Israel desired was to reestablish their national identity and their borders, but instead all creation was offered the promise of universal peace, a world without barriers and borders, an existence free of strife. It's like the four-year-old who had the wonderful Christmas which I'm particularly fond of since one of my nephews turned four yesterday. The four-year-old who got everything they wanted, and after all the presents were opened, they turned to a parent and said, I hope Mary and Joseph have another baby next year. (laughs) And doesn't that encapsulate Advent and Christmas all together? Ask for more, ask for everything, and then ask to have it all again next year. When there are wars and rumors of war, don't just wish for the safety of our military personnel, ask for peace across the entire earth. As you watch the ups and downs of the stock market, and I'm not just talking about this past week, instead of asking for a year-end market rally, ask for poverty and need to disappear from the face of the earth forever. I implore you not to hear the Christmas story and think that it was the last time that God ever acted 2,000 years ago. Ask that the child be born again this Christmas and to lead us as a people and only as a child can. And then ask God to do it again and next year and the next and the next. It's like one of my favorite Peanuts cartoons that shows Lucy coming up to Charlie Brown and saying, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Since it's that time of the season, I think we ought to bury our differences and try to be kind. Charlie Brown asks, Why does it have to be just this time of the season? Why can't it be all year long? Lucy looks at him and then exclaims, What are you, some kind of fanatic? (laughs) As Christmas approaches, my prayer is that we will remember this special promise this holy season. 
God always gives us more than we expect. And further, my prayer continues that we will make room in our hearts, our homes, and in our busy and noisy lives for a child to once again be born in a simple stable in Bethlehem. A birth that was told to ordinary people keeping watch in a field. And yet a birth who frightened those in power protecting the status quo. Not a God above us, not a God beneath us, not a God beside us, but a God within and among us, Emmanuel. May each of us make room in our hearts and in our lives for the peace and the presence of that God. And may it begin on this holy day and in this holy place.